Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jadikin. Desi? <laughs> yeah. Well, I got a cough. I'm sorry. Take I it away. You were laughing. <laughs> uh, well, I was laughing, but I just turned. I realized I had a cough. Um, hi, I'm going to thank the people who donated to our Patreon or subscribed. It's a subscription. Yeah. You can subscribe to Patreon, our Patreon at patreon.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene, and you get stuff for it. It's not just giving us money for nothing. Right. You get bonus episodes, after shows, movie recaps. You also get ad-free episodes. So all of the shows you're listening now, and you're like, oh, I can't stand that fucking ad. If I have to hear it again, I'm going to kill me. <laughs> you can avoid all that yeah. trauma. Yeah. And it's like louder than the show. We know how it is. Right. We've heard your complaints. We, <laughs> and we've, we've listened to podcasts. We know what happens. Right. Uh, so you can avoid all of that by subscribing to our Patreon. We also now offer a year subscription. So if you want to just pay once and not worry about it, you get a slight discount. And I'm happy to say a few pe- we see a lot of people did that yeah. after we made the announcement. So we thank you guys. That. So this week we are thanking Louise, Caitlin, Kimberly, Sherlyn, Anna, Shannon, Anne, Allura, Lori, Aaron, Michael, Sarah, Anna, Ash, and John. Thank you all so much. Thank you. Desi. Yes. It is award season. It sure is. And I decided that this week we're going to be talking about two Oscar scandals <gasps> in our history of the Oscars. Yeah. <laughs> it's a rich history. I didn't write an intro for this. It's okay. This was going to be a compilation of award scandals touching on several different award shows, like a, a greatest hits. But when I started writing this first scandal we're going to talk about, I realized the story was so, um, there were so many different things. It was long. Yeah. Um, that I just decided I'm just going to talk about two scandals from the Oscars. And, you know, maybe the week after next, we'll talk about some different award shows. Awards shows are happening every week. It's award show season, so I feel like yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Now, the first Oscars we're going to be talking about is the 2000s Oscars. So I thought we'd start off by giving some stats. Okay. People love trivia. Do you remember the, the 72nd Academy Awards, Desi? If you refresh my memory, I might. It took place... On March 26th, 2000, at the Shrine Auditorium in Los Angeles. So this is the old version, because that's when it was in March, and yeah. it was uh, at the Shrine. Mm-hmm. Now it's somewhere else. Is uh, it? Yeah. I mean, it's been multiple places. It's Remember been it was at the, the Dorothy, Dorothy Chandler. Chandler. <laughs> I like the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion. I do, too. That was like the one from my childhood. Yeah. Um, 
the best picture winner was American Beauty. Okay. I know this Oscars. This was the Oscars that Angelina Jolie was making out with her brother at. A classic. Classic Oscar moment. They don't make stars like this anymore. (laughs) Or brothers. (laughs) Or brothers. Or brothers of stars. No. Um, No, I remember this well because I remember uh, really wanting Annette Bening to win mm. and Hilary Swank won and I was very upset because I love Annette Bening. I do too. I thought that I don't think Hilary Swank did a good job, but I don't know. I just wanted Annette Bening to win. (laughs) No. And then when she lost to her the second time, I was like, this is outrageous. Right. To have her beat the same person, the same person beat her. I do love Annette Bening. She's one of my favorite actresses, but I also really loved Hillary Swank. Yeah. I just, I'm not saying I'm justified. Right. I wanted who I wanted. Right. No, that's fair. We all- <laughs> and I do like, I did, even though I feel like um, American Beauty, a lot of people hate it now. Right. It's like reviled almost. I yeah. liked American Beauty when I saw it. Oh, yeah. A lot. It's funny, looking back on these winners and nominees, I didn't realize how many of these movies I had seen in the theaters. I think I was just going to a ton of movies when I was 13. Like this That's is, what you do this at is that when age. I, I mean, I saw almost all of these. I saw Sweet and Lowdown. Oh, yeah. Obviously, I saw Boys Don't Cry, American Beauty. I saw like all of these in the theaters. The only one I didn't see in the theater was Cider House Rules. Oh, Remember yeah. that movie? With Tobey Maguire. But I did see that movie eventually. Wait, what are the other movies? Okay, so Best Picture was American Beauty. Best Director was Sam Mendes for American Beauty. Best Actor... Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey for American <laughs> Beauty. That's when we were still allowed to like him. Yeah. Um, best Actress, Hilary Swank for Boys Don't Cry. I what? remember supporting. That was Michael Caine. <laughs> Right? Michael Caine won for the Cider House Rules Best Supporting Actor. And Best Supporting Actress was Angelina Jolie. That's right. Now, I loved Girl Interrupted. Of course. Obviously, (laughs) being a a troubled young teenager, I was like, this is my jam. But I wanted Toni Collette to win for The Sixth Sense. Oh, that's when she was nominated. And Sixth Sense was a Best Picture nominee. It was. Right? And that was when Haley Joel Osment was nominated. Haley Joel Osment was 11 years old at the time. He was, at the time, one of the youngest ever nominated Best Supporting Actors. The other youngest had been the kid from Kramer versus Kramer. Um, I agree with you. I wanted Tony Collette also. And I like Angelina Jolie, but... To be honest, her role in that, it's like a kind of classic crazy role. And I tend to be like, I want the more subtle role. I like the more subtle roles because I feel like sometimes they get overlooked when there's like a big crazy role that someone's in and kind of gets all the attention. And And not that I think that Angelina wasn't deserving of the Oscar. No, but you have your preferences. It was just my preference. I think that Toni Collette's performance in The Sixth Sense is like, it's one of my favorite performances. I think the thing is, for me, actresses like Annette Bening and Toni Collette, I really love. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes they're a little under the radar because they they do such good work that's often subtle, yeah. but very needed yeah. uh, and important. I mean, uh, Toni Collette, obviously, she did an intense performance in, um, what's that movie that came out a few years ago, the horror movie? 
Oh, hereditary. Yes. yes. Like that's so she can do it all. Yeah. But I just love Tony Collette because I loved her since I saw Priscilla Queen of the Desert. No, not Priscilla. What was the movie? She Muriel's was in? Wedding. Muriel's Wedding. Same. Which was like the same. <laughs> I remember when those and, movies came out. Oh, and like she, I love that Australian movie. movies. So I was like a fan of hers for so long, and I just want her to get her due. Yeah, um, I, I, I know. Agree. I was also a, a fan of hers for a long time as well. Um, this is the Oscars. Brendan was invited to and didn't go. So I admire, I respect that. You re- <laughs> I respect the hell out of that. I'm not even kidding. I love it. We could add some insider information on the 2000 Oscars, but you know how it fine. is to get insider information from men. It doesn't happen. Mm, that, is, that is a very good point. Best screenplay, American Beauty. Best screenplay based on material previously produced, The Cider House Rules. What else do we got? Oh, the best song. I want to talk about the best original song. Now, I disagree with this strongly. The best song that won was You'll Be In My Heart from Tarzan. I fucking hate that song. I fucking hate that song. I was mad. Song. I was too. When I saw that the music was by Phil Collins for Tarzan. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so I was like, no one wants this. I, and that song is corny as fucking hell. I, I hate it. Fucking, there's some. There's like a visceral reaction I have to that song. Yet I know every word to I it. I do too. It's so because irritating. Because it fucking everywhere. I feel like I just heard that song recently and it, it, sent, it sent my blood pressure to the, through the roof. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even kidding. There's something about it. What know, is it? Here's what, here's what it might be for me. I went camping like that summer that Tarzan came out and this family was at the campground next to us and the whole week we were there... They blasted the Tarzan soundtrack and mm-hmm. they just played it on a loop the whole time. Yeah. So I fucking hate the Tarzan soundtrack. <sighs> Still. In my heart. Does he? <laughs> <laughs> it's so corny. Here's what should have won was Save Me by Amy Mann. Oh shit. From Magnolia. Absolutely. That's shocking. I that remember didn't win. her singing at the at the Oscars too. Right. She was really good. No, that song should have won. That's a really good song. It's a great song. Also, um, that song is like I like when songs win that are actually integral to the movie. Right. Like, and her music was so much part of that movie. Yes. And I just think that song is should have won. Like, when did they play You'll Be In My Heart in the credits? Also, remember when Disney songs won like every year for a bunch of years in a row? And like, it was like ridiculous. I feel like they still win every year. And sometimes it's justified, but sometimes it's like give someone else a chance. Well, sometimes it just wins because I feel like a lot of people are like, I don't know any of these songs except my grandkids pay You'll Be In My Heart. <laughs> <laughs> the other song, this was like a big year for, for songs because sometimes I feel like the Oscars, it's like real slim pickings. Oh, totally. For best original song. It's not always like Three Six Mafia is up or something. Right. But this year it was, I mean, a lot of these songs were really big. Blame Canada from the South Park movie. Oh. That was up for an Academy Award. The Music of My Heart from Music of the Heart. Dude, I I know all these songs. I'm sickened. I do too. (laughs) The only one I don't know is When She Loved Me from Toy Story by Randy Newman. I know it. See, Random. That's actually a good song, and I would prefer that over You'll Be In My Heart. That song is really good. I've actually cried when that song played in the movie. Dude. Because it's a really emotional scene. Yeah. And Randy Newman is good. I like his music. I am shocked to hear this. Really? I saw Toy Story with like my nieces when it came out. and I, Is that Toy Story 2? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I saw that one because he has a little 
cowgirl girlfriend, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember, but I feel like did she get thrown away or she got taken with the girl? I, I don't remember. It was like a you would have cried, trust me. Yeah. Because it's an it's a tearjerker scene. Yeah. And this song is really sad about someone like someone realizing that they loved someone, like even if it's a toy. I can't remember. <laughs> right. It's a tearjerker scene. It's a really pretty song. Um anyway, I wanted to give some stats. The the one other thing I just wanted to talk about is Angelina Jolie's fashion and beauty looks were widely criticized at the Oscars, but I loved it. I and liked I, it too. And I still stand by my opinion that it was interesting and beautiful. I like a dramatic goth look, and I thought she nailed it. I don't think it looked bad at all. But she got critically panned. Like all the fashion police people who, right. let's be honest, usually don't have that much taste, they all panned it. They often pan the looks I like. They pan the interesting ones. Like, And I think we're now in an era where a lot of these like weirder looks from award shows past are sort of vindicated or we're looking at them through a fresh set of eyes and they're like, wait, that wasn't bad. Like... Bjork's swan dress. Right. I liked that. I think the thing is, and this is a criticism I always hate on those like fashion review shows that I don't really watch anymore, but I used to. Um, it would always be like, this is an award show. You're supposed to be wearing a ball gown. Right. Like they really wanted you to have a, a sort of ball gown look right. type deal. And right. I was like, I don't necessarily need that. Right. I like I, You can wear a short dress. You can wear a vintage short dress. Like right. I don't fucking care if it's cool. Like I always like the risk taking options. I do too, even the ones that fail. Right. I remember those. I do. Well, we remember the <laughs> Demi Moore's bike shorts. Right. And Kim Basinger had one one year she did too. Where she it was like did bike shorts too, right? And it was like half shouldered and yeah. one was off or something. <laughs> yeah. Look, she took a pattern making class and I appreciate that. <laughs> I like those those looks. I don't give a fuck. It's no. like interesting. Right. It adds some color. And I feel like it's too safe now. Everyone looks great and there's nothing really to talk about. We want the wackadoo looks back. Yes, please. Fire all your stylists. Every, <laughs> just go for it. Everyone should be their own stylist and just wear what's in their heart. Yeah, I agree. Which is why I loved... Everyone called Angelina Jolie at the 2000 Oscars Morticia Adams. I'm like, well, Morticia Adams has great style. Oh, a gorgeous woman? Right. Uh, I mean, look... The focus should have been on her kissing her brother. <laughs> and, and it was. It was, and yeah. And it was. But if you're, if, which, that was wild. And I think because she looked so creepy when she kissed her brother, it made it worse in a way. Yeah, maybe people thought like that was like a part of it. Because I did read an explanation for why she was allegedly or like seemingly making out with her brother. And, I don't remember what it was. This was also like this period where Angelina Jolie was a real weirdo. Yeah. Like she's like a UNICEF mom now. Right. <laughs> but she was, yeah, she was like a wild child. Yeah. And she was like, remember when she like fucked Billy Bob in the limo one time and so came out hot. like, and she had the vial of blood. Yeah. Like she was just constantly doing those kind of things. That I was, didn't mind it. I didn't mind it. That was a hot era. I didn't even mind the brother kissing. Well, <laughs> I just, I don't, what do I care? <laughs> yeah, I wasn't like outraged by it. I was just like, oh, that's interesting. No, I thought it was like, okay. I, uh, not for me. And but the brother kind of had a weird look too. So I think it made it creepy. 
it made it weird because he looked exactly like her. Yes. But with short platinum blonde hair. Yeah, it was definitely weird. Yeah, he was like this. Like He had like a face. It's like her face was like with short hair. Yeah. But it was like he had, he had like the same lips, the big eyes. Yeah. It was just kind of <laughs> disturbing. <laughs> but I, you know what? We remember it. We remember it. And she won an Oscar that night. Mm-hmm. Good for her. The voting had already happened. She, no, <laughs> she's like, I'm going to kiss my brother. No take backsies. <laughs> anyway, this first story is about what happened before the 2000 Oscars. It was around 3 a.m. on March 8th, 2000, when a truck filled with 55 Oscar statuettes arrived at a loading dock in the city of Bell, California. The statuettes were prepared to be loaded onto a different truck on their journey to to Beverly Hills ahead of the 2000 Academy Awards ceremony, which was set to take place just weeks later. But the Oscars never made it onto that truck. Instead, they wound up on a truck bound for Hawthorne. Ooh. At first, it was believed that the Oscars had been accidentally lost in the shipment, but by March 13th, it had become clear that they had been stolen. (gasps) This was shaping up to be a disaster for the Academy, as they feared they wouldn't have enough time to get them remade, and local police, as well as the FBI, got involved in the hunt for the Oscars and the thieves. Roadway Express, the shipping company, put up a $50,000 reward to help find the missing statues. Following the announcement of the reward, an attorney claiming to represent an unnamed dock worker called and proposed a swap of the stolen Oscars in exchange for cash. Police believe that the dock worker in question was 38-year-old Anthony Hart, also known as The Wiz. (laughs) Hart happened to be the brother-in-law of the attorney who made the phone call to authorities, so they're like, oh, this has got to be the guy who stole the Oscars. Hart worked in tandem with another dock worker, 38-year-old Lawrence Edward Ledent. On March 8th, Ledent claimed that Hart loaded the box of Oscars into his truck. After Ledent drove away with the stolen goods, he looked inside the box and realized what was in there. The Oscars. And he freaked out. He's like, I can't have these. People are looking for these. Yeah. Like, it's going to be on the news. So he panicked. He knew he needed to get rid of them. So he dropped them off at his friend's house, a guy named John Willie Harris. And when Harris saw the Oscars, he was like, I don't want this shit. So when he loaded the box, did they think they were just stealing some random shit? Yeah. I see. Yeah. And And they didn't realize it was so big. Right, yeah. like something that... That pe- would be newsworthy. It would be newsworthy and like many people would be looking for. Right. So he drops them off at his friend's house, this guy named John Willie Harris. Harris was like, I don't want this shit either. Yeah. Get, get it out of here. So Ledin later said that he was then directed by Hart, his coworker, to deliver them to an address in Altadena. He also said that Hart instructed him to drop two of the Oscars off at a jack-in-the-box. Ooh. Which he apparently did, I guess, to make a sale. Ooh. Like maybe they had trading for some tacos. <laughs> two tacos and an egg roll. Will you take two Oscars? For two tacos? <laughs> uh, he apparently did drop them off at this jack-in-the-box. He also claimed he sold one of them to a guy for 100 bucks. 
So this is not a huge stakes operation. No, they're just trying to like unload these and just get rid of them as quickly as possible. But so far, they've only like made three sales for three of them. Anthony Hart would later deny that he told Ledent to do any of this. Yeah. The pair were arrested on March 18th, 10 days after the heist. That same day, 61-year-old Willie Fulgear made an incredible discovery in his neighborhood while scavenging for discarded items to sell. Fulgear made money as a salvage man by collecting auto parts, metals, and other potentially valuable items from junkyards and dumpsters. While he was inside of a dumpster behind a food for less in Koreatown, (laughs) he found the missing Oscar statues. Oh my God. 52 of them at least. So they were in Altadena, and now they're in Koreatown. No, Anthony Hart just told Ledent to take them to Altadena, but he, oh, he, didn't, but he didn't. I see. So Willie Fulgear... Just threw them in a dumpster. Threw, found, found them in this dumpster while he was just scavenging for stuff. Oh, my God. He found 52 of them, so not the two that were sold to Jack in the Box. Yeah. And the other that was sold to some other guy. He didn't know what they were at first, but... He thought that he, they at least had some value. I thought they were toys, brass, and I can sell brass by the pound, he told Vanity Fair. He took the statues home and had his son Alan search on the internet for information about what these statues were. <laughs> and Alan called him back up and he's like, Dad, you just found the missing Oscar statues. <laughs> this is all over the news. And there's a $50,000 reward <gasps> for finding them. Oh, my God. Fulgear called the news and the police, and then the police after he called the news because, quote, a black man with that kind of stuff is automatically guilty. So obviously he wanted to like call the news first to make sure, right. like, look, news crews are coming. Uh, they know yeah. this, this, they're out there. Unfortunately, the cops showed up first. <gasps> and when they saw Fulgear, they pulled a gun on him. Ugh. They, they, they claimed that the Oscar he was holding was a gun. What the fuck? Yeah. The news crews arrived shortly after, fortunately, and this story blew up. It was everywhere. It was like local hero. Yeah, finds, finds the Oscars in a dumpster. But that didn't stop police from interrogating Full Gear at the station for hours. Like, grilling this man. Yeah. And try as they might to catch him in a lie, they just couldn't. Because he wasn't lying. Because <laughs> he wasn't lying. And Fulgear was no criminal. He did not have a criminal record. He told Vanity Fair, I haven't been in trouble since the 1965 Watts riots, and I didn't even do anything then It's except pick up a camera. Yeah. The thieves, Lawrence Ledet and Andrew Hart, were both charged with grand theft and held on $100,000 bail. Meanwhile, police were still searching for the remaining three Oscars. They're still at large. Now, how did they arrest those two? Just because they were working the docks that day or? Because they were working the docks. um, They claim they had other evidence. on. We'll get into that. Okay. We'll get into that. But also the thing about the, uh, they they thought they had a connection because the lawyer that called demanding, oh, wait, wait, wait. asking for ransom. So they, at this point, they're like, this guy, Willie, is also in on it with these two guys? Because we know about the two guys already. Yes. So at they're this, just thinking this is another accomplice. Yeah, they're like, how do you just find these Oscars? Yeah, like, okay. well, people were looking for them. 
you said to look for them. There was a reward put right, out Right, and them. he has probably has a record that he is like whatever, a metal collector, because he's selling it, yes. right? So there's there's evidence that he's doing this all the time. Yeah, he's always in dumpsters right. looking for Because you can just go to the places he sells to. Right. So the thieves were charged, or the accused thieves were charged with grand theft and held on $100,000 bail. Meanwhile, police were still searching for the remaining three Oscars. A few days later, according to a March 21st LA Times article, a decision had not been made on whether or not to give Willie Fulgear his rightful reward. <gasps> they still hadn't paid this man I out hate this. or even made a decision. They were like, really like, mm, eh, mm. you got to do it. Give him the fucking reward. Yeah. So the following day, the LA Times ran a piece written by Karen Grisby Bates in which she said, quote, Officials at Roadway Express, the company that employed the alleged thieves, is dragging its heels about delivering the promised reward until they've closed the investigation. And when a representative of the Academy was asked if Full Gear would be a guest at this Sunday's ceremony, he sputtered and hemmed and hawed and said the equivalent of, "Mm, let's see how things work out. She continued, if Roadway Express and the Academy had any class, Full Gear would get a $50,000 check by week's end, decent seats to the ceremony, and tickets to the governor's ball afterward. But this, but class, like Oscars for black actors, seems to be in short supply. <laughs> now, I mean, just give him the money at least. <laughs> at least give him the money. But he was also, uh, this man had been hailed as the man who saved the Oscars. Right. And Karen Grisby Bates wasn't the only one who called for Willie Fulgear to be fairly compensated. People were talking. They're like, why, yeah. is, why hasn't this man been given his reward yet? Absolutely. I don't he, like when people finagle the reward no. after it happens. Right. It's like, sorry. You said you would do it. Yeah. Fucking pay up. Some local DJs were also campaigning for him to get his reward. Like, come on, guys. Yeah. Give him, give him tickets to the Oscars. So that Friday, the reward was honored, and Willie Fulgear was handed a giant $50,000 check. At a press conference, Fulgear said, if anybody says honesty don't pay, send them to me. This money was life-changing for him, yeah, as he didn't have a lot of money. He said he planned on using the money for a down payment to go buy a house in his hometown of Mississippi. He was also invited to the Academy Awards and given a tux and top hat to wear to the event. Aww. A complimentary limo whisked him and his son, Alan, off to the ceremony. That's fun. He took his son. I thought that was sweet. By the time of the awards, an emergency batch of Oscars had been manufactured, and those would be the ones used in the ceremony. I was happy that the actors got the dumpster ones. (laughs) (laughs) I really liked that. I want a trash Oscar. (laughs) No, they didn't. They, like, discarded the stolen ones. Oh, my God. Yeah. So they got fresh ones that were rush made. That would be I really was enjoying that fact. That Angelina Jolie had a dumpster Oscar. Yeah. It's awesome. That is a fun fact. Yeah. It's not true. But they just cleaned cleaned them up. Right. Lawrence Ledden pled not guilty to grand theft. And the charges against his alleged partner, Anthony Hart, were dropped for lack of evidence. Following this, Anthony Hart then filed a $20 million lawsuit against the LAPD for violating his civil rights. He claimed the press ruined his name and caused him to lose his job. 
The lawsuit also alleged a conspiracy in the police department led by Chief Bernard Parks to arrest and charge someone responsible, like anyone, to just, just charge, get it, someone charged. get somebody charged in this attempt to rebrand the department's image following the Rampart scandal. Oh. So that's what this lawsuit alleges. The lawsuit stated... Parks wanted to create the false impression in a high-profile case that he and the tarnished LAPD had saved the Oscars, which neither he nor it did. Hart's attorney, Stephen Yagman, suggested that his client and his alleged partner were targeted by the LAPD because they were black. Lawrence Ledden eventually pled no contest and was sentenced to six months in jail and ordered to pay $51,000 in restitution. Damn. That's not even how much the Oscars... Cost the Oscars had a total value of eighteen thousand dollars. Yeah, I was they, wondering. They wanted him to pay restitution to the road Roadway Express for the reward money. Oh, that's fucked up. Yeah, Ledin gave a testimony against his alleged co-conspirator for a reduced sentence, and in September, Anthony Hart was indicted on the theft charges. So the charges were dropped against him, but then they were he was recharged. Right. He was indicted in September. He would plead no contest and be sentenced to three months probation. Willie Fulgear spent some of his reward money on a gold Lexus so that he could drive to Mississippi to look for a house. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and he tucked the rest of it away in a safe. But in June of that year, his Los Angeles apartment was broken into and his safe was stolen. No. They took all of the money. Police weren't exactly sympathetic to Full Gear's situation. They thought that he was lying about the burglary. <gasps> to make matters worse for Full Gear, Hart's attorney discovered that the hero of the Oscar may have had a connection to the heist after all. At least that's what they were alleging. Remember John Willie Harris, the guy who had the Oscars dropped off at his house following the heist? Yes. He was like, get these out of here? Yeah. Well, it turned out he was Willie Full Gear's half-brother. So they're like, ooh, did, did, did this man have a connection? Because right. he's the half-brother of this guy whose house they were at for two minutes. Yeah. Um, this was obviously not good press for Willie. Right. But it's still, you can't, I don't know how that would have made a difference. I'm not exactly sure, but this was part of the discovery for yeah. Hart's defense. I'm sure it like, ooh, it's like interesting connection. Yeah. Uh, um. Harris swore that he hadn't even spoken to his half-brother, Willie, in several years. He's like, there's no way that Willie could have been involved with the heist. Like, he really did just find these Oscars. And also, how would Harris have known where they were dumped? Yeah. Like, what's the allegation? He told him, go look to all of these places to see where they're dumped. And Willie also, if that was the case, wouldn't Willie then have to be splitting the money with these guys somehow? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like... And also, Willie lived in the neighborhood. Yeah. Like, it's it could have happened easily. Yeah. That he was just in his local... At his local food for less. Yeah. It's just a random coincidence. Right. So this guy, John Willie Harris, ended up being convicted and sentenced oh. to three years in jail for receiving stolen property. Just because the guys came to his house with it? Yeah. Oh, man, that sucks. I know. Full Gear told Vanity Fair, man, I wish I'd never seen them Oscars. It built me up one day and pushed me right back down the next day. Yeah. As for the three still missing Oscars, well, in 2003, one of them turned up in the strangest of places. Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Wow. It was found during a drug bust. 
So I don't know. I didn't couldn't find any other details or news stories about that. Just like the one initial breaking news report. Yeah. But it was like more details emerging. I'm like, well, where are the details? It's you can picture what might have happened though. Some kind of weird trade. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just give me a baggie of something. <laughs> I got this Oscar. Right. And some drug dealer like cool as hell. Like right. You know? Right. That is totally what happened. Now, the 2000 Oscar heist was not the only time that the statues have been stolen or gone missing. Apparently, in 1938, Best Supporting Actress winner Alice Brady had her award stolen at the ceremony. She wasn't able to attend due to an illness, and an unidentified man accepted her award on her behalf. He nor the award were ever heard from or seen again. An unidentified man. This is back in 1938 when they weren't televised. They yeah. were a lot more casual. It was just like a little conference. Yeah, they're with in little like, round tables. Yeah, they're in a hotel conference room. Yeah. Uh, some dude just walked up and was like, I'll take that. <laughs> Alice says thanks. <laughs> Hattie McDaniel's 1943 award for Best Supporting Actress was stolen from Howard University, where it had been displayed. Back when she won the Oscar, the awards for supporting actors were actually plaques oh, and damn. not statues. They're kind of these like 3D-looking plaques. Mm-hmm. Like the gold dude is still there. Right, but, but I, I can picture. I think I've seen hers. Yeah. So she donated her plaque to the university before she died. A researcher from Howard named Thomas Battle told NPR, the understanding I've developed has been that it was probably in the late 60s or early 70s, or perhaps during a period of student unrest at the university. But unfortunately, all the principals who would have been involved at the university at the time, administrators and others, are no longer with us, and we have not been able to get the kind of direct information that we would like to to pursue this investigation further. So they've never found where Hattie McDaniel's Academy Award is. Wow. They still don't know where it is. In 1989, a burglar broke into Olympia Dukakis's New Jersey home and stole her Best Supporting Oscar, Best Supporting Actress Oscar for Moonstruck. Oh, wow. The thief unscrewed the gold man from the base and left that part behind. He then, so we just took the dude. Yeah. Then he called her son and demanded a ransom to give her her award back. But Olympia opted to pay the Academy $78 to have a replacement made instead. Well, yeah. She's like, I'm not going to pay you $65,000 or however much she was asking for. She doesn't give a fuck. Pay them seventy eight bucks. Get a new one. Also, you left the base, you idiot. You fucking. That's where my name is. (laughs) In the mid nineties, a collector named Steve Neiman discovered an Oscar bearing the name of Best Child Actress winner Margaret O'Brien at a Pasadena flea market for sale for a hundred dollars. Wow. They used to have Best Child Actress. Yeah, it was like a special Oscar. Yeah, it was little. And uh, I think Judy Garland got one. I think you're right. That was her only Oscar. That's crazy. I know. Well, funnily enough, this woman won for uh, Meet Me in St. Louis. Yeah, yeah. So this collector sees this little Oscar at the flea market for $100. He didn't buy it. But two years later at another Pasadena flea market, he saw the same Oscar for sale again, this time for $500. And he thought it was fate. 
He's he like didn't, kicking himself. He's like, ah, damn. So him and a friend went halvesies on it. They bought the statue together, and it turned out to be real. The Oscar had been stolen from the home of Margaret O'Brien by a housekeeper in 1954 and was never seen again, not until the 90s when it was discovered at the flea market. O'Brien herself had spent the next 40 years looking for the statue at various flea markets to no avail. The collector pair who bought the statue at the flea market were planning to sell it at an auction. They believed they could get $11,000 for it. When executive director of the Academy Awards, and his name's Bruce Davis, he got wind of this Oscar that's being sold at this upcoming auction. He looked into it and discovered that Margaret O'Brien had ordered a replacement after the award had been stolen. When the two collectors got word of the stolen Oscar they had in their possession, it was returned to O'Brien, and she was reunited with her statue after 40 years. She was really happy. The only thing collector Steve Neiman asked for in return was a picture of him handing the Oscar to Margaret O'Brien so that he could, quote, tell friends I once presented an Academy Award. And that's where we'll take a break. We'll be back to talk about another Oscar story. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm the queen of starting a free trial offer and forgetting to cancel it, oftentimes being charged for months for something I'm not even using. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. With Rocket Money, I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's definitely saved me money and now I can use that money to waste on things I do want. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. That's rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. Rakuten's Big Give Week is back with 15% cash back. It's a festival of savings with big cash back at hundreds of stores. Don't miss headliners like Canon, Fenty Beauty, and Dyson. I can't wait to shop for all of my summer fashion and beauty needs, and we'll definitely be checking out Ulta and Adidas. Rakuten really is the best way to shop. You can really save by stacking cash back on top of other deals. And during Big Give Week, the cash back is bigger than ever. It's the time to shop for everything you need for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Membership is free, and it's all happening May 6th 
to May 13th. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cashback boost on top of Big Give Week cashback rates. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app today. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Rakuten is the shopping platform to save while shopping. Desi, I'm sure you know this story. It happened in 1974, and it was the streaker. Oh, yeah. I discussed this in the Godfather episodes. Yes. Yes. Because, oh, and didn't you, I thought you discussed it in the Julia Phillips episodes. Oh, maybe it was. Because One of those, because it was like a 70s. It was, you discussed it, though. Yeah. Uh, yeah, briefly, yeah. So at the 1974 Academy Awards, host David Niven was on stage about to introduce Elizabeth Taylor when a naked man appeared behind him and jogged across the stage flashing, flashing a peace sign. Now, this guy, <laughs> he's, he might be the most 70s-looking man I've ever seen in my life. Streaking is so 70s. It was really... <laughs> <laughs> it was very popular in the 70s for some reason... Yeah. It was like a cultural phenomenon. It was like the 70s version of flash mobs. Yeah. <laughs> you would just, it would happen somewhere random. Right. Yeah. It was like kids were just doing it and adults. Yeah. Streaking. Mostly adults. Mo- actually, you're right. It was mostly adults. I don't know what, what that was about. Right into the show of you were a streaker in the 70s. Yeah. And remember, I did the episode on that actress whose name is escaping me, who did a famous streak down Liz Renee, Liz Renee down like Hollywood Boulevard or Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. But that was more of a publicity stunt. Right. Because I think like most of those sort of natural trends, then it becomes a thing that people start planning uh, and making into sort of like publicity stunts, yeah, for sure. And by this time, by the time that this guy streaked at the Oscars, it had already been this national fad. Yeah. That people, it was like in the cultural zeitgeist. That's like, it's funny because you haven't thought of the word fad, but I remember as a child being obsessed with reading like collections of fads. Yes. Like I loved reading about fads and that's probably where I first heard about streaking. Same. It was like pet rocks streaking. <laughs> like I loved fads through the ages. Like, I did I too. Just, yeah. I that's loved so reading. funny. I did too. <laughs> But that's where I learned a lot of stuff from bygone eras that I oh, totally. wouldn't have known about, like the pet rock. Yeah, I knew about all of those things. Like right. I just loved anything that was a fad. Right. Uh, so that word to me is even dated. <laughs> it's so dated. So this guy jogs across the stage. He flashes a peace sign. Upon seeing the naked guy up on the stage, the audience erupted into screams and laughter. I mean, you can watch this clip on YouTube. Yeah, The audience loses it. Niven famously quipped in his British accent, well, ladies and gentlemen, that was almost bound to happen. But isn't it fascinating to think that probably the only laugh that man will ever get in his life is by stripping off and showing his shortcomings? And everyone had a laugh at that, too. It's a pretty eloquent, off-the-cuff dig. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's, it sounds written. It's a ve- It sounds written. The streaker in question was 33-year-old Robert Opal, a local queer activist and nudist. Oh. So he loved nudity. That's also big in the 70s. <laughs> People were just like letting it fly then. They were, there were nudity activists. That was a thing to be an activist about. Yeah. You go to the nude beach, terrorize your children. <laughs> Bringing them. <laughs> um, yeah. 
So this guy's really into nudity. According to a 1974 LA Times article, Opal said that he posed as a member of the press to get backstage at the awards. He was dressed in a blue jumpsuit, and he stripped it down. He stripped it off and then went jogging naked down the stage during the live ceremony. He said, quote, It occurred to me that it might be an educative thing to do. You know, people shouldn't be ashamed of being nude in public. Besides, it's a hell of a way to launch a career. What career did it launch? Well, he got fired. (laughs) He got fired from his teaching English as a second language job. Yeah. So, because uh, f- this was national news. I'm sure it was international news as well. Right. And was this a crime? Well, he didn't get arrested. Right. He did not get arrested for this. Some say the entire thing was a planned stunt. Oh, maybe. The Academy's business manager, Robert Metzler, told the LA Times in 1993... I don't think it was accidental. My wife was here for the dress rehearsal, and David Niven asked her out in the lobby if he could borrow her pen. She gave it to him, and he sat on a step out there and wrote his ad-lib remarks about this fellow's shortcomings. Ah. And then he told my wife how proud he was of of this terse line that he had written. Ooh. And that was two hours before it happened. That's all I know about it. That's interesting. I mean, I believe it, because like you said... David Niven's little quip is almost a little too perfect. Do you say something off the cuff that perfectly written? Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, it's possible for sure. Because it's multiple sentences. It's not just one quick statement. Now, this is probably going to be a dumb bitch moment, but I kind of buy it more because he's British. (laughs) Like that he could say something that smart. That is true. Because he doesn't, because he has that like snooty, smart British voice. Yes. It's like, it's like because it's him, it's like, yeah, he speaks that way all the time. Mm. He's like Noel Coward <laughs> or something like. Yeah, he's very upper crusty. Before Robert Opal's most famous performance, he worked on then California gubernatorial candidate Ronald Reagan's campaign as a speechwriter. What? This is a strange moment in the career of a man who would become an out and proud bisexual and queer activist. According to a 2019 article in The Advocate by Kevin O'Keefe, Opal soon became disillusioned with Reagan and the Republican Party. So that was a very short-lived thing he did. Robert Opal later worked for The Advocate himself. Following the Oscars, Opal continued his nude activism— Three months after the ceremony, he stripped down naked at an L.A. City Council hearing about nudity at public beaches. (laughs) (laughs) They're having this hearing, like, should there be nudity allowed at these public beaches? I love that someone, like, this is their passion. (laughs) Not like home, you know, fighting the homeless crisis or (laughs) public housing. No, he wants to show his dong. He wants to show his sack. Wherever he goes, <laughs> god damn it. Look, there are there are naked people. There I are, agree. There are people who just like are like to be naked. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, we live in a society that that is not acceptable, even though it's natural. It is natural. Uh and, and it's and it's not and it unfortunately it, look, it's not appropriate for all situations. 
And I'm no prude. Yeah. I'm no prude. But it's just, that's just the way the world is. Yeah. So I do think it's funny that to try and make his point, he got naked at this city council meeting. I think any hijinks at the city council meeting, I'm fine with. Yeah. As long as no one's hurt. As long, yeah, there's no like kids around. If you want to pull hijinks. Yeah. I think it's, those things are incredibly boring. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure people are happy to have a break. Like let's take a recess while we deal with this guy's dong. (laughs) And Everyone's happy. They probably did have to take a recess because he got arrested. Oh, yeah. In 1975, he stated his plans to run for president, and he said he would campaign in the nude. I love it. I wish he did. <laughs> <laughs> in 1977, Opal moved from Los Angeles to San Francisco, hoping for a more relaxed attitude in regards to public nudity. <laughs> I'd buy it. I mean, this guy has a one-track mind. <laughs> Just it's wants, about being nude. He wants to be naked. <laughs> but if he's going to go anywhere, why not go to San Francisco? I mean, or Marin. Or Marin. That's where you're going to have the most nudity available to you. You're going to have nude yoga. You're going to have nude retreats. This begs the question, did my mother know this man? I would because be it's entirely possible. It <laughs> they is, were at a same part. They were at like a party together. There at is some no point. way my mom did not attend a party with this guy. Or, or know him through a friend. She has some kind of, you know, six degrees of Kevin Bacon with this guy. I, I bet she has one degree of Kevin Bacon with this man. Yeah. Not to blow up your spot, mom, but come on. I, I, I bet you she could do it in three at least. At least. Yeah. We're going to ask her okay. tomorrow. Yeah. We'll, we'll get back to you guys. He opened the Faye Way Art Gallery in the city, which showcased queer art. Now, this gallery was really groundbreaking here in the United States. It was said to be the first openly gay art gallery. It showcased then-unknown artists Robert Maplethorpe and Tom of Finland. Wow. Robert Opal and Fayway Gallery hosted performance art pieces as well. John Waters and Divine starred in the Opal-directed play The Heartbreak of Psoriasis. (gasps) Wow. So this guy's like... In, in the queer scene in the city. Right. At the 1979 Gay Freedom Day parade, Opal staged a mock execution of Dan White, who was the man, yes. who, was the man who assassinated Harvey Milk. Yeah. But just weeks later, on the night of July 8th, 1979, Robert Opal was at Fayway Gallery with his ex-boyfriend, Anthony Rogers, and his current girlfriend, Camille O'Grady. At 9.15 p.m., two men knocked at the door. The men were let in, and each of them brandished firearms. (gasps) One of the men was holding a sawed-off shotgun and the other a pistol. One of the men pointed his gun at Camille and demanded that Opal give them money or drugs or they would shoot her. Opal, who sometimes dealt drugs out of his gallery, told the men he didn't have any cash or drugs. The men then took Anthony and Camille into a back room and tied them up. They then turned the gallery upside down looking for the money. Robert Opal pleaded with the intruders, telling them they wouldn't find anything. From the back room, Camille O'Grady heard a gunshot. (gasps) Robert Opal had been killed. Holy shit. The two men were Robert Kelly and Maurice Keenan, and they were arrested at the San Francisco International Airport while trying to flee to Miami with Keenan's wife, Linda, who was also arrested. Damn. Many of the papers referred to Opal's Fayway Gallery as a sex shop, even though it was actually an art gallery. The subject matter displayed 
was then sort of just written off as pornographic yes. material. Yes. And look, it was erotic. I'm sure this is very common back then. Yeah. Any sort of gay-themed art was considered pornographic. Right. Yeah. The San Francisco Examiner speculated that the murder may have been the result of a drug debt or a drug theft. That was never confirmed to my knowledge. A friend of Opal's was quoted in the Examiner as saying, he didn't do anything that did not have some kind of political or social statement. He was a very conscientious, very intelligent man. He just went about doing things quite differently. Anyway, there's a documentary that was made a few years ago by the nephew of Robert Opal that I kind of want to see. John Waters is interviewed in it. Ooh, that sounds really interesting. What I mean, I had no idea this guy had this whole story. I didn't either. That's so fascinating. Yeah. Um, was he buried in the nude? I hope so. I hope so I too. I hope they gave him that dignity. Yes. What a what an insane story. Isn't that wild? Yes. I just I, I just assumed he whatever went off into like nothingness and was never heard from again. No, he had this whole art career yeah. in San Francisco. That's so sad. What a sad end. Isn't that a sad story? Yes. Um, I do want to see the documentary though. Yeah, it sounds really good. Yeah. That's right and up we, my alley. And we will ask my mom. Well, you can ask my dad too. Yeah. Did, I mean, yeah. Did either of you two know this man? Were you ever nude with him? Were you ever <laughs> nude with him? It's possible. Yeah. We have to find out. We'll give an update. We'll give you guys an update on that. Anyway, that those are my Oscar stories. This is going to be the first in a series of episodes where we will talk about other award show sort of scandals and okay. goings-ons, nice. whether it's the Grammys, the, the Golden Globes. The MTV Awards. The MTV Awards. Yeah. What have you. We got to talk about Fart Man. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Fart- remember okay. Fart Man? Of course. I remember <laughs> Fart Man. We'll talk about Fart Man. Uh, that's a good one. Anyway, we're going to record our after show now. And we will see you later this week for the mini episode. Yeah. Our after show is available on Patreon. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.